Let's pray. God, we just thank you for, first and foremost, we, I guess we just slow down and we say thank you that we're alive today. We just, we just start right there. There's people that didn't wake up today, but we did. We have breath in our lungs. We have blood in our veins. So despite the situations that we're facing, despite the mountains that we're up against, despite the questions that we have, the answers that we do not have, we're here. And the fact that we're here encourages us that you're not done with us in our lives. And so we're just encouraged this morning. We say thank you. God, today we pray that you would, um, you would speak to us, that you would give us thoughts that we never had, that you bring answers to questions that we've been struggling with. You give peace uh, to people's hearts today, people that are, are struggling, people who are in desperate need of encouragement. God, would you give them that today? Uh, would you fill their, their life just with fresh, uh, just, just fresh air, just fresh things in their life today, that it would just be uh, a service that makes us better even as we leave. We pray for everybody who's been affected by the hurricane. God, we just ask, num number one, God, that your peace that passes all intellectual understanding would be with those families. And then, God, we just ask that you would bring restoration, that the finances, the money would be there, that you speak to people's hearts to step up to the plate, that you would do what only you could do, even for us in this place, that you uh, would show us things that we can do to participate, to be a part, participate, to be a part of the solution. We just remind ourselves that we have no hope without you and with you we have all the hope in the world we're so thankful today we ask that you speak to our hearts in jesus name everybody said amen amen well football season is off to a start isn't it some of y'all sporting your jerseys early i saw you when i was walking in you guys are the are the are the brave my dad's praying for the 40 winers i mean the 49ers Sorry, don't mean to disrespect you like that, Pops, but yeah, it happens sometimes, you know. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and uh, yeah, I feel bad for, for the Raiders. What you guys did to Antonio Brown is just, you know, when you don't value what God gives you, he'll take it away and give it to somebody else. That's, that's all. Marcus, are you wearing Raiders colors? Marcus McMarion, former F Fresno State quarterback on the front row, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise. But I'm not sure that we can be friends after those Raiders colors, bruh. That ain't cool. I'm kind of anti-Raiders. Tava was leading worship in some Raiders colors, too. Like, I'm so... Uh, let's go, Raiders. Come on. There's the door. No, I'm just kidding. You can stay. Anyway, you didn't come for that. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to read uh, from, from a couple different passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, if you, so, so I want you to kind of take this down and we'll get started. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read out of the NIV. And then we're going to uh, kind of go over a, a little bit to Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read out the New American Standard Bible. And we're going to pull some thoughts out of this story that uh, is foundational as it pertains to Christianity. It's really the story of the birth of Jesus, and so you're probably familiar with it. But I want to pull some thoughts and ideas out of it that you may not be quite familiar with. So starting in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, which was... A really small town, people uh, that lived there came from extremely humble beginnings. They were hardworking. The Bible says that he sent the angel to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. He says, The Lord is with you. The Bible, though, says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Verse 30 says, But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor. Everybody say favor. Favor with God. And because you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
So Mary responds and she says, how will this be? You know that that I'm a virgin. And so the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He continues and, and tells her a little bit of information that he should not know if he if he isn't an angelic being. He says, even Elizabeth, your rel- relative that you know, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her, she's actually in her sixth month of pregnancy. For no word from God will ever fail. So at this point, Mary responds, the text says, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Well, then the text says that the angel leaves. And, and I think this morning, I want to kind of walk us down this road to understand we know the entirety of this story. Like we know from here how it all happens, how it's this incredible miracle story that Jesus comes in the life that he'll live. At this point, this is just a teenage girl who has just had an interaction with an angel and she has to deal with all the drama that kind of comes after the situation. God just showed up, an angel just showed up and told her that she's going to be pregnant, but that the baby's daddy's going to be God. So now she's got to go tell her fiance, hey, so something happened and I'm going to have a baby, but you're not going to be the daddy. And well, who's going to be the daddy? God's going to be the daddy. Like imagine. Like, just imagine, right? So she has to go through all of this drama. God then, you know, sends another angel, appears to Joseph. Everybody kind of gets on the same page. Uh, At the same time that this is all happening, the first Roman census takes place. And so Mary and Joseph, everybody has to go back to the place that they're from. So Mary and Joseph, Mary now being pregnant, they have to journey back to Bethlehem. In the process of this happening, Mary goes into labor. When she goes into labor, they're like, you're going oh, to have the baby now? So they start knocking on doors. Every door that they knock on, you know the story. Every door that they knock on, they say, we don't, we don't have room. You can't, she's, she's in labor. She's having the baby. I'm sorry, you can't, you can't come in. We don't, we don't have any room. They would go to the next place and knock on the door. I'm sorry, we don't have any room. You can't have the baby here. Finally, somebody says, I don't have any room, but I got a stable where we keep the animals. You could, you could I guess, you know, have your way with that space. So she has the baby in this stable as you as you know they wrap him they put him in the manger at the same time this happens god speaks to these shepherds these magi uh these wise men as we we talk about it in the bible narrative uh and they're off afar and and an angel shows up to them and tells them this whole story about how jesus is coming to earth and he's coming uh through a virgin baby and and he tells them that there's going to be there's going to be a star in the sky and what he wants these wise men to do is follow the star in the sky and as they follow the star in the sky it will actually lead them think about this it's going to lead them to the place that Jesus is. What's crazy about this text, if you really don't understand it and kind of just take it at face value and don't study it, we kind of buy into this whole nativity scene orientation of of how this story kind of plays out. That we think that Mary had the baby and then the wise men showed up and they were like right there right after she had the baby. If you kind of study the context of scripture and understand it theologically though, it actually took a lot of theologians believe that this journey of the wise men uh, having the angelic interaction and then actually getting to Jesus, that this process took uh, some, some say up to two years. So by the time that they actually get to Jesus, Jesus isn't this fresh out of the womb newborn that's lying in a manger. He's, he's somewhere between birth and two years old. Uh, so, so I want to then pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2 when they actually show up to the house as Jesus is now uh, close to two years old. Verse 11, it says this, After coming into the house, uh, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. The Bible says, then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Go down to verse 13. Verse 13 says this. Now, when they had gone, speaking of the Magi, behold, an angel then showed up again to Joseph in a dream. And he says this. He says, get up 
and take the child Jesus and his mother Mary and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod the king is going to search for the child to try and destroy him. Herod is trying to kill Jesus. So what he does, he puts this decree out that anybody under the age of two that's a male is going to be killed. Uh, So verse 14, so Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and they left for Egypt. Verse 15 says he remained there until the death of Herod. It's kind of interesting uh, growing up. I'm sure it was like this for you. There's different things that become trendy for kids on the way to church uh, this morning. My son, who I tell you, my oldest son, I tell you a lot about. He's into really in, into Pokemon cards. He was once again talking about Pokemon cards on the way to church. And he asked me, Dad, like, what were you uh, what were you into when you were kids? And so I was talking to him about Pogs. I don't know if any of you ever like, remember what Pogs were, but Pogs were like these little round uh, things made of cardboard. And it was kind of like a collectible item. So he was asking me what they were. And I was kind of explaining to him and and uh, we're talking about all these different things, how like depending on when you grew up, there was like an it thing and uh, different uh, interactions were kind of like this, even different sports or things. They were, like my, my son uh, in recess is really into, into tetherball, like it's like the it thing. Well, when I was a kid, we were really into tug of war, like tug of war was kind of like the thing that we would do. And it got like really serious to where we would like pick teams, almost like if you were playing like football or something, like there would be a, t- a team captain and he would pick uh, whoever he would think would be the strongest to be on his tug of war team. And I remember I'd get super excited, be all jazzed about getting to play tug of war uh, with, with my friends and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was good at it. So I remember uh, winning a lot of matches. But I, I remember these times when you, you'd end up, and you never knew it was going to happen, you'd end up having to face uh, off with somebody who was a lot bigger than you. Like somebody you knew that there's no way that I'm going to, to win this match. I was at my son's flag football game the other day, and I don't know what they're feeding these kids, but some of these fourth graders have mustaches. Like this is, what I'm, this is how serious business this is. Those are the kind of kids I'm talking about. So when these kind of kids like are on the other side of the rope, you, you, had, you had one of two uh, choices. Number one, you could square off against that person and hold on to the rope with all of your might, with all of your strength, you know, all of the practice that you've had, all of the opponents, having all of this in your mind, trying to, trying to muster up the strength to win, or you could try to win another way. The other way that you would win is, is this is what you would do. You would hold on as, as long as you possibly could. I mean, with every, everything, every, every ounce of, of, of might that you had, you kind of dig, dig your heels in and you'd watch that other opponent's face until his eyes started to kind of bulge out of his head. And when he's pulling out of, with all of, pulling with all of his strength, what you do is you just let go of the rope. And when you let go of the rope, he'd fall on his butt. He'd be embarrassed as heck. And everybody around would just start laughing. And you didn't win, but you actually kind of won. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is, this is how you would win those type of matches. I tell you that story this morning. Because in life, you have two decisions, two options as it pertains to how you're going to deal with the dark times in life. Here's here's really the question. How are you going to deal with the opponents in life that you face that seem bigger than you? How are you going to deal with the situations that you face that I just don't know where to go from here? It's really important before you even embark on the journey. That you make a decision today. When I experience dark times, when I'm up against a mountain and I don't know how I'm going to climb, when I'm facing a storm that I think to myself, I don't know if God can even get me through this one. You have to decide how you're going to face those things. And I want to make it very clear before you encounter those situations. And here are your options. Number one, you're going to make the decision that when you come against hard times, that you're going to hold on to your life with all of your strength, With all of your might, you're going to hustle, you're going to network, you're going to work, you're going to use your intellect, you're going to manipulate, you're going to do whatever it takes to win those matches. Or option number two, you're going to take your hands off the rope, you're going to surrender to someone who's bigger than you, you're going to trust that God who put you on the face of the planet knows better than you, and if he put you here, that he can keep you. 
Option number two is really this word that I preach hot and heavy all the time. It's this concept of surrender. Either I'm going to live my life with the, with, with the, the, the rope that represents my existence in my hands, which means, and you need to understand this, if you hold your life in your hands, you are responsible, you're responsible for the stress and the pressure that that life will bring. If you are the master of, of your own ship, then you have to deal with the pressure of being the man and being the woman and being the master of your own ship. Option number two is this idea of surrender, which is I will, no matter, come hell or high water, no matter what I face, I will let go of my idea of how I think things should look to trust in someone who has a greater perspective than me, who is bigger than me and knows more than I know. This sounds super simple, but it's fundamental. If you, if you don't make a decision before you embark on a journey that will undoubtedly bring difficult times in your life, if you don't make a decision, what will happen is when you get into hard times, you'll just want to run back. Anybody ever been there? I will do anything to escape the situation that I'm in. When we encounter dark times, when we encounter times that we don't understand, when we encounter mountains that we don't know how we're going to climb, most of us are not thinking, am I in control or is God in control? It's just, get me out of here, right? And we want to run back. We look at stories in the Bible that are like this. You see the children of Israel, God delivers them out of slavery in order to take them into a promised land, but they end up where? A wilderness. And they can't understand why they're in a wilderness. God, God delivered them out of being slaves. And even these people who have been delivered out of being slaves in their heart and out of their mouth say, I wish I could just go back. Don't we sometimes just want to go back to simpler times? Don't we just want to go back to times when, when the way things used to be? But the, the way I think about the way things used to be is it really wasn't as good as I remember. I do think it's interesting, though, that even these people who were slaves were willing. They, they want slavery over being in a like stop and think about that. I don't want to be in a will. I'd rather be a slave. You know why? Because I think sometimes with humanity, I think it feels better to be bound than to be free, but not where you want to be. Sometimes I think for us humans, we find more security. It feels better to be bound than to be free, but not where I want to be. Because at least when I was bound, I could understand why I was the way I was. At least when I was back there, I, I had an addiction. And because I had an addiction, that's the way, that's the reason my life was the way that it was. At least back there, I had a good for nothing boss and he was a ceiling on my life. So I could never really become the person that I wanted to become because I had this person that was keeping me down. I wish I could go back because although my kids got on my nerves, at least they listened to me. Now that my kids are out of the house and I'm free, they don't want anything to do with me. Sometimes I think bondage feels better than being free, but not where I want to be. And it causes me to want to go back. Don't you think that Mary wanted to go back? I mean, let's stop and think about this. Don't you, can we stop it? I'm just minding my own teenage girl. I'm just minding my own business. Think about this. An angelic being shows up out of nowhere. You ever been in your bedroom at night and think you see something in the corner? How do you know it's an angelic being? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what is this? What are you doing in here? You know what I mean? And he says, hey, greetings, favorite one. Excuse me. She's, the Bible says she's troubled. At this response, and he says, I got good news for you. What's the good news? You're going to get pregnant. What? A, a teenage girl. 
Like we, we, we read this now and we know the outcome of the, you're going to get pregnant. I'm going to get pregnant. This is, this is not, this is one of those moments where you wake up in the morning. You think, dear God, thank you that that was just a dream. You ever had one of those moments? Like, what did I do? You didn't do it. It was just a dream. You didn't do it, right? Like, it's, it's one, of, one of those moments I could only imagine as months begin to go by, though. And she started feeling that flutter down in her stomach, thinking, oh, God, this, this, this really is, this really is happening to me. And to think that God has the nerve to call it favor certainly doesn't look like favor, certainly doesn't, certainly doesn't feel like favor. You mean I have to go to my fiancé and tell, me, tell him that God got me pregnant. God's going to be my baby daddy. Like you, like, can we stop and just think about, think about this. That's certain. And God says, hello, favored one, highly, highly favored. I think a lot of times when it comes to the favor of God, this is actually the thing that all of us are looking for. Do you realize this? Like sometimes words get mystified within the context of, 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 of religion, but favor is what you're in search of. Favor is what you're working really hard. What, what is favor? An advantage. I want to get ahead of everybody. I want to find a way where I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, where I can have an advantage. I can hustle. I can do something to have favor where I don't have to just be a victim to the system. I want to find a way if it's possible to get beyond the system. That's why you showed up here today. You're looking for a way to get beyond the system. What does the system promise? The system promises anxiety and depression. And this is just the way that it's going to be. You're here today because you're looking for favor and advantage. Maybe somehow, some way, if there is a God, maybe he'll care about me enough to deliver me from these bondage, this bondage that I'm facing and these feelings that I'm overwhelmed with. We are in search of favor, but that sometimes when it comes to God's favor, it doesn't, it doesn't look like I think it should look. And sometimes, frankly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's hard to understand and it's difficult to communicate. So I think sometimes when favor doesn't make sense, we start searching and looking for something that does. When, when God's favor, it certainly doesn't look like favor that I'm a teenager and I'm pregnant and I have a fiance. And now I'm almost seems I, like I'm in a mess. But you're calling this favor when it doesn't make sense. I'll actually start hustling and trying to find different ways to get a favor that really is a counterfeit to God's actual favor. Because here's the truth about when it comes to real favor, when it comes to real advantages, you can't chase it. It can only chase you. I'll explain it. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. We, we go on these quests to try and find some magical advantage. Maybe if I read the book. Maybe if I can, maybe if I can just comment on somebody's social media accounts enough, maybe they'll notice me and bring me into their friend group. Maybe they'll see what I'm doing and all the, what, 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 I'll try to, to, to make favor happen. The, the reality is you can't find favor until favor finds you. Somebody needs to write that down today. You, you, if, if, if you are the person who has subscribed to the ideology that I will, no matter what, live my life with the rope out of my hands, trusting in someone bigger than me, the way this thing's work, the way this thing's work works is you can't find favor. Favor can only find you. Well, how's favor going to find me? When is favor going to find me? If I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, favor's probably going to find me. Uh, when I, when I don't know what to do, favor is probably going to find me when I'm at the end of my rope, when I really need a miracle down here. But favor actually doesn't find you when you don't know what to do. When does favor find you? Favor finds you when you do what you know to do. What am I saying? Favor finds the faithful. F -f -f favor finds what <laughs> favor. 
the advantage, the thing that you're working overtime to get, the thing that you're struggling and hustling and manipulating other people, the thing, the lies that you'll tell to get ahead just a little bit, just, I'm not going to do this forever, but maybe I got to lie a little bit today so I can have freedom tomorrow. The things that you will do in your life to get it, I'm here to tell you, you can't find it until it actually finds you. God's favor will find the faithful, the people who do the things that they know to be doing. This should be freeing to you today. Because you, you may be saying, but what about, I, there's a lot I don't, I'm not talking about the things that you don't know. I'm not talking, should I take this job or should I do this or should I make this move or should I take that off? I'm not talking about the things that are blurry. I'm talking about the things that are in focus. When you do the things that you know to do, what is meant for you will come to you. Did, did, did you hear what I said? When you do the things you know to do, what is meant for you will come to you. We all know different things to do. We all have different things. And this is the beautiful thing about it because, because it's subjective. You, ha- you ever had things in your heart that you knew that God had placed in your heart, but you couldn't explain it? I just know. You know, when you kind of walk with God a while, there's certain things that other people can get away with that you can't get away with because you just know too much. It's like, I, I know it's okay for you, but for me, I, I've learned too much about God and I've seen his faithfulness too much. I can't, I can't take the rope back into my hands anymore as much as I would like to. I've made it. I've come too far. When I'm faithful to do the things that I know to do, what is meant for me will come to me because favor finds the faithful. Mary doesn't go looking for God to say, can I have your baby? Here's another one. The disciples don't go looking for Jesus to say, hey, can we be your disciples? David doesn't go looking for Samuel to say, hey, can you anoint me to be the next king? Favor, favor found them. And what was the common denominator? What did they have in common? Mary was just minding her own business, doing the thing that she knew to do. And all of a sudden here came, it's, it's, it's like a radar system. When I do the thing that I know to do, it may not happen today and it may not happen tomorrow, but favor is on its way. It's attracting. It's, it's coming to me. It's, 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 if I'll stay put, it's going to find me. This is why you can't go chasing favor. When you go chasing favor, when favor gets to where you're supposed to be, you're not there. Talk about prolonging the process, being frustrated. How come it's not showing up? Because you keep moving. Stay put. You keep, you keep, you keep, you keep, you keep moving. I, I, you look at, look at the life of Jesus and the disciples. When, when Jesus shows up on the scene, what are the, what are these guys doing? They're just fishing. They're just, they're doing the things that they know to do. And Jesus calls them out. What is, what is David doing? He's out in the field, keeping his father's sheep. When you do the things that you know to do, favor will find you. So what if you find yourself in a position where you're in desperate need of an advantage? Most of us, all of us in this room, but it seems like favor isn't finding me. Sometimes I think, and I want to talk us through this, sometimes I think we have to remember some things in this journey. Otherwise, we will be discouraged and think that the advantage that comes from God is impossible or hard to attain or random, but it's not. If you're doing everything that you know to do, but it seems like favor isn't finding you, here's number one what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that favor is not a template. If you're taking notes, write this down. Favor is not a template, meaning it doesn't always look the same. It doesn't always look the way that you want it to look. I think a lot of times in life we forfeit favor because it doesn't have the face that I'm fascinated with. Hear that again. 
I think a lot of times in life we forfeit. No, thank you. I walk right past it. I don't even see it. I forfeit favor because it doesn't have the face, the appearance that I'm fascinated with. It doesn't look like the check that my neighbor got. It doesn't look like the new car that they got. And I've been waiting for a car and I haven't got nothing. Because the, the, the truth about favor is favor is not a template. It's a tool. What is it? What is it a tool for? It's not about your ego. It's an ability to get you to the place that he desires for you to go. It, it, favor is for the journey. This is why if you think that it's going to look one way and it looks another way, you, 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 you might miss it. You want it to look like a check, but you're missing the fact that God is giving you influence because he wants to build you a network so you don't just get one check, but you have a sustainable income of multiple checks. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, this, it's this picture of if I think it's when, when I, here's, let me say it like this. When I decide what favor has to look like, I miss out on what it actually could look like. When I say that's favor, I'll miss out. Actually, it's, 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 it's more than that. And a lot of times we miss it, I think, because we want it, we want it to look like it looked for David, but it doesn't always look for David. I want it to look like David. I'm minding my own business. And hey, you're going to be king. Oh my God, I'm going to be king. But it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes favor looks like, hey boys, drop your nets and follow me. Well, how are we going to get paid? Oh, I don't know. We'll worry about that later. You get to be a disciple of Jesus. But in the beginning, that means nothing. Could you imagine, Mary? You're going to have the Son of God. You're pregnant as a teenager. She doesn't get the whole, like, redemptive plan. He's going to grow up, and then he's going to die on a cross. He's going to be three days buried, and then he's going to be resurrected for all of the sins of humanity. She doesn't get all that. All she gets is your favorite, and you're going to have the Son of God. Sometimes I think we miss out on favor because we think that it is, we think that it's a template, and it's not just a template. It's actually a tool. You're here for a reason. There's things that you're supposed to do. So if it's, if it's not showing up, what am I saying? I'm saying, I'm saying maybe, maybe pay attention to what you're looking for. It might be right under your nose and you're missing it. You're doing the things that you know to do. Favor will find you. And if it seems like it's not, remember that it's not, remember that it's not a template. Here's number two. I'm uncomfortable even talking about this one, but I'm going to explain it. I think it'll be helpful to you. If you're doing everything that you know to do, but it seems like favor isn't finding you, know that number two, it may not be a part of your trajectory. Meaning... If favor is a tool to get you to an intended end, the place that you're going, you may not th- need the things that you're desiring. The place that you want, <laughs> the place that you want to be so bad may not be the place that you're supposed to be. The reason I hate even saying this because I am the go for your dreams guy. I am the guy who says God has put desires in your heart and you need to steward them. And I still believe that, but I would be silly and I would be a fool to think that my ego can't give me dreams and desires too. And I know because I've lived it. Can I tell you the amount of times that I have traced and I have hustled and I have manipulated and I've tried to talk other people into things so that I can get to a desired end? And here's what happened. When I got to that end, I thought, you know what? This isn't even what I want. And look at all the, t- look at all the time that I've wasted. How many people do you know that have gone to school thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars into debt to get to the degree and say, oh, God, this isn't even what I want to do? And think to themselves, I wish that I could go back. I wish somebody could have said, this is why I say fundamentally at the very beginning, I have to decide is my life in my hands or is my life in God's hands? If my life is in God's hands, I have to trust that he sees the beginning from the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He sees the whole story, which means 
And this preach is really good, but it's the hardest thing in the world to do. But this means that I have to trust that he knows what will make me happy more than I know what will make me happy. He knows what will make me fulfilled more than I know what will make me fulfilled. He knows what I need more than I know what I need. And so if I have made the decision that I'm going to live my life with my hands off the rope, then I have to trust sometimes if things aren't showing up, I have to be okay and relax because here's the problem. We carry, I think a lot of people are stressed out because you're trying to get somewhere that you're not even supposed to be. And what's going to happen is you're going to, you're going to end up 50, 60, 70, 80 years old looking back thinking, why was I so str- Why was I working so hard for that? Why didn't I just chill and trust God? If I said that I was a person who trusted in God, someone who was greater than me to order and direct my step, why didn't I really do it? Why didn't I just take a deep breath and enjoy the season of life that I was in so that God can get me to the place that he ultimately wants me? Don't be so fixated on what you think you want that you miss out on what you really want. Hear me again. Don't get so fixated on the things that you think you want that you miss out on the things that you really want and you just don't know it. He knows more. He sees more. Favor's not showing up. Sometimes you got to remember that it's not a template. Remember, it might not be a part of your trajectory. And then sometimes it's neither one of those things. Sometimes it has nothing to do with your perspective. You're looking for the right thing. Sometimes it has, it has nothing to do with trajectory. You are supposed to be on your way there. Keep stewarding it. Sometimes it's number three. Sometimes when you're doing the things that you know to do, but it seems like favor isn't showing up, it's just number three because it's not the right time. We are time obsessed. Guess who's not? God. You, why? Did you hear what I said about how he is the alpha and the omega, which means he knows the beginning from the end, which the Bible says that you, uh, <laughs> the Bible says that you are a living epistle, meaning that your life is a story. God knows every chapter of your book and when it's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to arrive, what is the right time for that chapter and how it all ends up in the end. So I'm obsessed. I, I'm wanting what's supposed to happen in chapter six to happen in chapter two. God's not, God's not sweating. Hey, we'll get there. I think sometimes in life we're so, we're so time obsessed and it's not that it's wrong. It's it's just, it's not, it's not the right time. Here's kind of a a story that will help illustrate this point. Because the thing about time is it's, it's a perspective thing. A lot of you today, you're stressed out and you're full of anxiety and you're burdened because you have bills to pay. You have things that you're trying to accomplish that aren't happening fast enough. You're looking at your life thinking, man, I thought I would be a whole lot further than this by now. You're looking at it because you tried things and you failed and you failed and you failed. Maybe and, 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 and sometimes, hear me, sometimes it's just not the right time. I was on a vacation recently with my family. We do this every once in a while where we rent a houseboat and we go out on this lake. And, and this lake is kind of like a canyon lake, picture like the Grand Canyon uh, filled with water. And we rent this boat, and somehow I get elected to drive this boat. This boat is not just like a ski boat. It's a 75-foot houseboat. Okay, so when we're going through this whole process of, of loading on the boat, this guy, the instructor comes on, and I'm videoing, videoing the instructor, and he's showing us how to, how to work it all. And he's like, he's already kind of like downselling the boat. Like, hey, it's, a, you know, it's an older boat, so you got to, you know, one of those guys, like you got to give it a little TLC kind of thing. So he's telling us all the tricks. So I'm like recording everything just in case, you know, something goes wrong. And so then finally they let us out to kind of go the way a houseboat works. You kind of go around the lake wherever you want, and then you kind of park and spend a few days there. And so we're, we're, we're out 
And we're, 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 we're going. I'm driving the boat. Things are good. We also had rented a couple jet skis. Some of the other family members, my whole family. I'm talking my parents, uh, my brothers, my sisters, their spouses, their kids. We have a ton of people on this boat. And, um, and we kind of get out in the middle. And the people that are on the jet skis, they get tired and they want to tie the jet skis up. So I say, okay. So I pull out into this main channel and I shut down the engines. And when I shut down the engines, we run out to the back of the boat and we, we tie up the... Um, the jet skis, and so everything is good. So I run back in to start the engines on the, the houseboat. And when I start the engines on the houseboat, the houseboat, the, the, the houseboat doesn't start. So at first, I'm like, I'm like, Dad, you know, like, like any, any, any son does. Um, and he couldn't fix it. So then I knew we were in serious trouble. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I'm watching my video. We're trying to figure out how to, how to, get, these, how to get these things started, and, and we can't. So, so at first, I'm thinking, no big deal. But then I start to panic because there's no beach around. It's, it's a canyon lake. So you're, you're looking at hundreds of feet of just, of just rock wall. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like in a, in a matter of five, 10 minutes, our houseboat's going to be slamming up against these rock, rock walls. We have a boat that's full of kids. How, how are we? It's, it's just, it's just nightmare. So I get on the, the radio, the CB and our, um, our boat was called O2. So I O2 here. Uh, and I'm like, I'm panicking. I'm calling, I, I need the, I need the marina SOS. And my mom's like, don't say SOS. It's a little dramatic. And, but I, but I, <laughs> But I was panicking. Like, this is a serious... So I'm like, we need help out here. Our, like, <laughs> Abandon ship. You know, no, I'm like, our, our engines are down. I'm like, our engines are down. We need help. We're going to crash. We got kids on board. And so I'm waiting for a response. And they say, sorry, sir, the office is closed. I'm like, okay. They say, the office is closed. You need to hail the Coast Guard. So I'm like, okay, this is getting fun. So I hail the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard responds. And I'm, tell, and I'm telling them, like, I'm... I'm looking at rock walls, and I'm thinking within five minutes, our boat is going to be slamming up against these walls, and you can't stop it. Like, this is 75-foot houseboat. We're, we're not muscling. We're not doing anything. Like, it's going to be bad news. So I'm telling them, like, we're, we're, we're about to crash. I need help out here. I have no power. My engine. They say, okay, we're, we're, uh, we're on our way. So I'm like, well, how long is it going to take? Well, dead silence. I get no response. And... Um, Apparently, with the frequencies, we had lost frequency with the, with the Coast Guard, so they can't respond. And, and so all of a sudden, some random guy comes on the radio, and he's like, oh, two, uh, over here, I, I, you know, I intercepted the call from, from Coast Guard because he can hear him. He's like, uh, they're on their way. I'm like, well, how long will, 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 they, will they be? He said, give them a couple hours. I said, a couple hours? I said, we're going to die out here. We're about, to, we're about to hit a rock wall. We don't, we don't have a couple hours. He says, you're looking good. You're in the channel. He says, you probably got about five hours before you hit shore. I said, sir, we are not, you are tripping. We are not five hours from shore. I'm looking at my dad. We're kind of like, this guy's lost it. Like, we're, we're less than five minutes from slamming into a rock wall. I'm like, we're, we're not five hours. You, me, he, say, he says, hey. I said, yeah. I said, look out your window. So I look out my window. And, the, and there's the, he says, I'm over here. And there's this guy in this other big boat. And, and, and he's, he, he's, he's, he's watching me. He says, he says I, can, I can see exactly where you're at. <laughs> he, says, uh, he says, but you're in luck. He says, you're in the channel. He says, with the, my calculations with the wind and the currents and all of this kind of stuff. He says, I promise you, you're about five hours from, 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 from shore. All of a sudden we look and we start laughing. Like we thought we were losing our lives and we're all good now. And. He says, you're about, five, you're about you, you won't hit, you won't hit land for another, another five, five hours. He says, you're, you're, you're in the channel. He says, you're going to be okay. Help is on its way. And I remember thinking in that moment was we rejoiced and we're excited that we weren't going to lose our life. <laughs> Begin to understand how flawed my perception of time was. 
here I thought that it was over. I think some of you in life today feel like that. You feel, if I don't get some help down here, God, I've got bills that have to be paid. Don't you see what's if they overdose one more time, God? They may not, they may not pull through. I'm, I'm running short on time, and I'm here to prophesy to someone's soul today to stay in the channel, to keep doing the things that you know to do. You're gonna be okay. God's help is on the way. I'm here to tell you today, sometimes you feel like you're crushed. Sometimes you feel like it's over, but it's not over. It's just your perception of time. God is not freaking out about the things that you're freaking out about because he's, he is, do you understand that God is never late? Did you know that God doesn't miss a target? Do you know when you feel like it's a, wow, that was a close call. To God, it was, it was right, it wasn't a close call. Because for it to be a close call would have to mean that God almost failed and God never almost failed. That was a close call. We almost got in a car accident. No, you were protected from the very moment that you stepped inside of that car. When it comes to God, there is no close call. Favor's on its way. Is it late? No, it'll, it'll be there when you need it because favor is for the journey. The advantage is for the journey. So who am I speaking to? I'm talking to people that are freaking out because of your situation. I'm here to tell you, you're going to be okay. 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 You're going to be more than okay. Why? Because you're in the channel and help is on its way. Clarity is on its way. The things that you've been looking for, you've been trying to hustle and you've thought about doing unethical things to try to obtain them. I'm telling you, don't do what you know to do and what is meant for you will find you. It's funny because we read the story of Mary and Joseph and, and if you actually like stop and think about the text, they, if, if this is true that there's this two-year gap between having the baby and the shepherds, the magi actually showing up, it's like, if I'm Mary and Joseph, we have the baby, it's like, okay, what now? Because when you read the story, you almost think like they have the baby, the magi show up, then they escape to Egypt. It's like almost like, dun, 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 like it's like an epic movie trailer or something. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. The Bible says they have, they have the baby, but then it's like a two-year gap before the wise men ever show up. Well, what? Mary and Joseph, what are you doing? Because if it's me, it's like, okay, we, had, we got your little guy down here. What do you want us to do with him now? Right? Like, we, we had your baby Jesus. What are we supposed to do with Jesus now? Angel, could you come give us some more direction? But there's nothing in the narrative that tells us that this happens. So it leads me to believe that Mary and Joseph, after having baby Jesus, what do they do? They get back to work. Doing what? Doing what they know to do. But when are you going to show up again? When are you going to tell me? When are you going to give me my next step? When are you going to make it clear what path I'm supposed to When are you going to tell me if I'm supposed to take the job or I'm not going to take the job? When are you going to tell, when are you going to tell me when the money's going to... When are you going to tell me when the business is going to... If, if he found me then, then he'll find me again. If he can find me as a virgin teenage girl just doing what I know to do, then he's going to find me again. I don't got to go searching. I don't got to be paranoid. I don't got to be frustrated. I don't got to feel anxious thinking, oh, I'm getting a little old here. My clock's ticking. No, I just got to be faithful. And what happened? What happened? Just raise it. What are we going to do today, Mary? I don't know. Just go to work. I'll, I'll take care of him. You, you just go do. All right. Why don't I take him today? You, you go out, hang out with your friends. All right. You can do that. Just, just doing what we know. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Hey, I think somebody's at, I think somebody's at the door. 
Who is it? It's us. Who's, who's us? We, we saw a star in the sky. You saw a what? We, we saw a star. We had an angel appear to us. I don't know. This is kind of weird. But he said that somebody was going to be having the Son of God and that he was going to be wherever. Wait, he, God showed up. To, we hadn't told anybody about this. We only told a close circle of friends. And all of a sudden you start getting encouraged about maybe God is actually in this. See, anybody ever been there? We need a little encouragement because it seemed like God had forgotten about you, but he hadn't forgotten about you. He'd been watching all along. And everything that you thought you had been missing had already been in motion. To think that two years ago, those, those guys got their assignment and they'd just been on the journey. If I'm marrying Joseph, oh God, please come through. Please send him. Please send him. Oh, is he ever going to show up? And he's like, they're, they're, they're on their way, dude. If it's not here yet, maybe you don't need it yet. When, when you need it, it'll be there. And they show up and they say, we got gifts. You got gifts? Yeah. What do you got? We got gold. We got frankincense. We got myrrh. Things that would be needed for what? For what's about to happen. God's about to send Mary and Joseph on a journey. How are they going to do that? How are they going to pay for that? How are they going to be able to open the doors they need to open to make sure that, well, because God's going to provide gold, frankincense, and myrrh to get them to their next destination. And I'm here to tell you, when favor comes knocking on your door, it's always going to show up looking like this. Gold. What is gold? Provision. Anybody need provision in this place today? Anybody even look, look at, I, what am I talking about provision? I am tired of being my own provider and carrying the stress that that entails. I'm tired of having to live paycheck to paycheck and not, I'm telling you, when favor of God finds you, when you're doing the things, it always shows up looking like provision. But it doesn't just show up looking like provision. He doesn't just bring them gold, he brings them frankincense. You know what frankincense is? It's a, it's a, it's a strongly aromatic, fragrant resin. I Meaning it has a very strong scent. Scent it can be burned as, as as incense. You know what science is proving is actually our most powerful, our uh, our, our most most powerful of our of our senses. You would think it would be a sight or or touch, but it's actually smell. They say if you actually want to change somebody's mood or trajectory or decisions, you actually got to change what they're smelling because smell has the ability to alter someone's mood, to actually want them to make different decisions. In other words, he didn't just show up with provision. He showed up with persuasion. Anybody needs somebody to change their mind about you? Anybody needs somebody to change their mind about, their, about your reputation? Anybody still living victimized for what happened to you and what you did back in 1992? I'm here to tell you when the favor of God shows up at your door, he can flip the script. He can turn those no's that you've got no after no after no closed door after closed door after closed door into a yes by what is the favor of God because when it shows up it comes and knocking when I'm just doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing it shows up like provision but it doesn't just show up like provision it shows up like persuasion I'm here to prophesy to your soul that God's about to change somebody's mind And this is, this is, I'm talking friends, family members that you've been on, you've been on the outs for years because of what happened. It was really nothing that happened and you're complete. I'm here to tell you when favor of God comes, when you're just, when you quit trying to fix it on your own, let go of the rope and trust him, do what you know to do. Favor's on its way to you. Shows up as provision, shows up as persuasion, gold and frankincense, but not just gold and frankincense, shows up as myrrh. You know what myrrh is? Myrrh is valued for its medicinal properties. It's ability to, 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 to cleanse, to disinfect. In other words, when favor shows up, shows up as provision, shows up as persuasion, but God also gives you a prescription. I'm meaning things that have been lost, stolen, forfeited, 
things that you have lost in the journey, I'm here to tell you God can restore. He can make it better than it ever was as if you had never lost. Does anybody need some things to be restored in their life? Have you lost things that are unfair? Have you lost things? That, I'm talking about your innocence that was stolen from you that makes you cry and weep and feel dirty. When the favor of God, when God comes and meets you and comes knocking on your door, he doesn't just bring provision and he doesn't just bring persuasion, but he brings a prescription. He writes a prescription to turn around the dark, evil things that have been harming you and hurting you and he's going to restore how when I do the things that I know to do what is meant for me will come to me favor finds the faithful and at the end of the day you know working through this is like God okay I'm inspired but I'm also still kind of like you ever been just like I don't understand you God so it makes me a little bit annoyed I remember sitting with God, it's like, what, why, but why do you play with us like this? Like, why, why do you got to play, why do you got to make us do all, why we got to do all this? Like, I start reading the story and, I, and I'm thinking, you're going to tell the poor teenage girl that she's pregnant with your baby, and then when she goes into labor, you're not even going to have a cool place for her to give birth. Like, why do you, why do you got, why you got to do it like that? Why can't you at least give her a cool place to have the baby? Why do you got to, God, why does it take over 20 years uh, why does it got to take over 20 years in, in Scripture when, when you read the Bible for people to be reunited and, 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 and all this kind of stuff? Like, wh why do these things have to ha Why you got to bring, why do you got have to bring the children of Israel out of slavery and let them go into, let them go into a, 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 a wilderness? Very few times have I ever felt like God just like directly spoke back to me. But this is one of those times. And this is what I heard in my spirit. He says, because the story is not for the one who is living it. The story is for the ones who will hear it. What, what, what am I saying? Because Mary went through difficult times and was a favored one. I know that I can go through difficult times and still be a favored one. When it doesn't fit into my box, I looked back then, it didn't fit into Joseph's box when he was waiting to be, you know, re reunited with his brother. It doesn't fit in, it doesn't fit into the, it doesn't fit into the box. It doesn't fit into the box. I was sitting at a coffee shop working on this, this content. And, uh, as, as I'm sitting there, it's like, I was sitting, it's, it's like a new uh, housing development. There's this guy who has been responsible in, in our central ballot for a lot of development things and he's building incredible things and he, he happened to be in there so I'm working I kind of ear hustling as these guys are talking and there's this other guy that's talking to this developer and he's like oh look what you built like isn't this incredible I wish I was as smart as you wish I had you know as much money as you did to be able to do all these kind of things and the guy that was there he just kind of keeps like laughing like he's like <laughs> he's kind of like laughing and he keeps going on man I wish how did you do it how did you do it and the guy just keeps laughing <laughs> and so finally he gets real serious and he says you know he said we we property that we're sitting on. They're doing this incredible building project. He said, I closed escrow on this place back in 2004. Sitting here, 2019. Back in 2004, we closed escrow on this place. We're excited. It's going to be the dream. We're going to get things started. He said, in 2008, we, uh, we got sued. This was a big, nasty lawsuit. We thought that we were going to lose everything. But we kept fighting for it, kind of fought through it, got through 2008. Okay, here we're going to go. It's going to be the dream. 2012, he said, we got sued again. It seemed like it was going to be the end, but we just kept going, kept working. He said it wasn't until, he's just smiling the whole time telling this story. It wasn't until 2018 that things got fun. He says, now you look and, and, and you see all this. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wow. Tell me how you did this. How do you, I wish I was as smart as you. And to hear the journey. 
and to think to myself, did the hiccups along the way stop the dream? And here's this man laughing and smiling like he's not worried about it at all. Did the hiccups along the way stop the dream? No. But in that moment, it sure did encourage me to keep going after mine. I think you have to remember in your life, as tied up in knots as you are, your story is not about you. I just stop and, and think about that. Your kids, your kids' kids, your kids' kids' kids, they need to hear those stories. This, this church, this church is not about us. There is people that will come after us that need to hear the stories about the faithfulness of God. About the time, where are you going to go? I don't really know, <laughs> to be honest with you. What major are you going to choose? I, I'm still undecided. Still? You've been undecided for some years now. Yeah, I know. Just keep doing what I'm supposed to do. Because if he found me back then, he will find me again. My story is not about me. It's about those that will hear it. Those that will hear it and be encouraged that if God did it for them, he can surely do it for me. If God can do it for them, <laughs> I'm not sweating it because that's just how he works. He's not obsessed with all of the deeds. He's not worried one bit. He's not sweating it because he is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the first and he is the last. He knows. I don't know, but he knows. So I'm going to take my hands off the rope. And as for me and my house, we're staying surrendered. I will let go of my idea of how I think things should look. I want to take it into my hands. I want to work. I want to, and I need to work and I need to hustle. But I just need to be doing that as it pertains to things that I know to be doing. I don't need to be just chasing pipe dreams. I don't need to be just manipulating people and trying to start. Maybe if I can just get a killer social media account, people will, will notice me and then maybe that will be. No, I need to, I need to stop all that. Is my trust in my hands or is my trust in God? I don't need to, I don't need to smooth my way and manipulate way into opportunity. I will stay put and trust that what is meant for me will come to me because he who started a good work in you will be faithful to finish it. Somebody just need, okay, hear me. I'm going to say this and I want you to hear it not as preaching, but I want you to receive this. He will finish what he started. I feel that strong. Somebody needs, he will fit. Did you start it? Did, did you choose to be a human on the face of this planet? Who said, I'll go, send me to earth. Did, it, did anybody choose? Then hear me loud and clear. He will finish what he started. If you didn't start it, you don't got to finish it. He who begun a good work in you. See it through to completion. So chill. Relax. Breathe. You hear me today? When it comes to this life, decide. You're going to do it in your strength or you're going to trust them. When you do the things that you know to do, what is meant for you will come for you. Favor finds the faithful. And if it's not showing up, remember it's not a template. Careful what you're looking for. Realize it may not be in the trajectory. Trust his ways over your ways. Don't get lost in the details. Don't get so married to there that you miss out on what you actually, you actually really want. You'll never get there and be like, oh, what God wants from me is not what, no, he, he knows. He's trying to get you somewhere. Don't be so obsessed with time. You think that it's over. It's not over. I'm here to tell you, stay in the channel. It's going to be okay. Favor is on its way. When it shows up, it's bringing provision. 
He's bringing persuasion. He's bringing a prescription. He's going to restore things into your life. Trust him. And remember, your story is bigger than you. Would you stand to your feet with me all across this room? I want us to take a second. And uh, we talked about a lot today. But can we just take a second and just close our eyes together? And now... We're just going to allow God to do what only he can do in just a moment. Nobody leaving, nobody taking off, just real quick. Between you and God, I think sometimes these moments of introspection where you're not just listening, but then you go inward and you say, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. I think sometimes those moments, it's just like the adjustment in your heart that sends things, that, that escalates the process. I've met so many people that are striving for things. I, I, I see it in, my, in, in what I do. People wanting to preach or hold a microphone or inspire people. I want to be a preacher. I want to be a preacher. And it's like, I, I want to tell them, if you could just let go of that, you'd probably start preaching a whole lot faster. Like sometimes we fixate on things and it's our fixation on things. It's that whole thing. I'm trying to chase it. And if you just stop and breathe, it will come to you. In this place, can we just take a second, just right where you are, just close your eyes. Maybe we can just sing something. Come on, just between you and God, open your eyes. going to do what I know to do, God. Faithful like you. It's going to do what I know to do, God. Faithful to me. Come on, please, just take this moment between you and God. I know I will be faithful. We have a lot we got to get on to in our lives. But in this moment, I believe that this can really change things for you. I believe from the front to the back. From the front to the very back. In this moment, like it can really set the course and shift things for you in your life. Some of you is just, God, I'm like, I'm trusting you today. I keep taking that stinking rope back into my hands, but today I'm just, no, I'm surrendered. Some of you just breathe. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. pressure that you carry is the pressure of people. You, you get fatigued just having to explain where you're at in your journey to everybody. Because even though they don't say things that are disapproving, you feel their disapproval. Today, I want to free you from the pressure of people. What he, he, They did not put you here. You know this, but you just got to remember this. They didn't. You don't have to explain nothing to nobody. You don't have to explain nothing to nobody. So if there was an emoji for what I'm trying to communicate, it's that one that just goes, shh. Just keep doing what you're doing. 
When they look at you like you're still doing that, be like, yup. Because my trust is not in you. Can you help me out of this situation? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. So, shh. You don't got to vent about it. You don't got to talk to your spouse about it. You don't got to, oh, never understand. Just, shh. They're not going to understand. It's not their job to. And it's not your job to convince them. He who started a good work in you. They didn't start no, they didn't start, they didn't start nothing. What did they start? No, 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 no. He who began a good work in you. So, shh. You don't got to respond. You don't got to convince. They don't, they're not going to be happy with you. So be, be okay with that. They'll see in the end. Didn't, don't we all see in the end? Like if we, if we're, uh, God, that's not favor. Oh, but because we see that she actually bore Jesus, our savior. Yeah, that is favor. You see in the end, you'll see in the end, in the meantime, in the meantime, eyes on the prize. In the meantime, I quit carrying that pressure you weren't created to carry. You owe no one an explanation. Isn't that silly? Like, just stop. We got a second for this. Think about this. Why do we feel like we owe people an explanation? You you have to explain pe- things to people uh, that, that you're living for. The reason I would have to owe you an explanation is because I didn't do, some, do something right that you wanted me to do. They, they are not your master. Who's your master? Who's your, who's your master? Not people, not your boss, not your mom, not your dad, not your auntie, not your uncle. Not those, that's not your master. So you don't owe them an explanation. Sing it one more time. Running after me. Yes, God. So I let go. Because I know. Come on, just a second. Can we get lost in it for just a second? Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We believe that when we finish our life here on earth, we spend forever somewhere. We believe that forever is either in heaven or hell. Whoever calls upon his name, simple, will be saved. You never made that decision. I want to give you that opportunity to pray a prayer with me. This is for some of you today. This is like that. Maybe even for you, just like that rededicating. There's a difference between calling Jesus your Savior, making him your Savior, and then choosing to make him your Lord. Making him your Lord is when I let go of the rope and say, okay, not, not just I believe in you, but I'm allowing you to be in charge of this. For some of you, that's a decision that you just need to anchor in, in your heart today. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. I believe your heart compels you to do so. But I do want you to mean it with everything inside you. 
not just religious rhetoric, but I'm talking like everything changes today. We pray this prayer out loud. We're a family, so nobody prays alone. Can we say this? Say this, church. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart, and I say out of my mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Today, I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Say this, say, Jesus, help me to live the life you made me to live. Help me to hit my mark. I trust you. Say it again like you mean it. Say, I trust you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.